In the last few weeks, we've been studying a letter by Jesus' half-brother James to the church in the midst of trying times. And I know something about trying times. It makes me think of the time when I was back in college. I was about 20 years old. And I was talking to my girlfriend. We were actually in my dorm room. And she was feeling my neck. And on my neck, she found a lump. And so I went and got the lump checked out. And after a few biopsies and several different appointments, they decided that the lump was cancer. And so I had to go through a major surgery to have the cancer removed. But at the end of the surgery, they weren't satisfied. They didn't get all the cancer. So I needed to go through an aggressive radiation treatment five days a week for six weeks. This was scary. I, I was 20 years old and I didn't know what to do. And the radiation, going through the radiation process was so difficult. I had to go in, they bolted my head to the table. They blasted me with this incredible amount of radiation. The right part of my face, my skin just started to melt off and, and the pain was terrible. But even more than the pain was the fear. What's gonna happen to me? Am I gonna die? Why, why? I'm so young. God, why am I suffering like this? Now, you don't have to have gone through cancer to have suffered. And suffering isn't always a big event like this. Now, some of us, we've been through big traumatic things. We've lost loved ones to an illness. We've dealt with illness ourselves, or, or had some kind of accident. And if that's not you, I pray that you never have to go through that. But see, suffering isn't always big events. We all know what suffering is like. I don't think I need to convince you that suffering is a part of life, especially in a season like this. You know, my friend texted me and she had major surgery back in March. And she sent me a text that said, I thought brain surgery was gonna be the hardest part of 2020. That's the kind of year this has been. I mean, we're living in a pandemic. I, stop. Go with me from a, a pandemic. This is unprecedented and something that nobody alive has really ever lived through. And it's affecting us in a lot of ways. For some of us, we've lost our jobs. For some of us, we're afraid we're gonna lose our jobs because of the economic hit that's happening. For other people, teachers and high school and college students, I think of the seniors right now. You lost your senior year. That's something that you never expected would happen. And then I think of all of our frontline workers, our medical professionals, our people that are working in all different kinds of industries, law enforcement, essential personnel. You're dealing with this and maybe some of you, it, it hits closer to home. Maybe you or someone you know has been infected with the virus and they've become very sick and maybe they've died. That's one, in addition to all this that's going on, there's also all the hurt and pain over racial injustice boiling over into outrage as we watch every day in our social media feeds. Okay, and if the outrage and the racial injustice and the pandemic weren't enough, our lives are still happening. We're still dealing with all the suffering that happens in our everyday lives. For some, your family is in trouble. For some, there's been a painful separation and divorce, and you don't know what's happening because you feel like your family is shattered. For some of you, you're dealing with addictions. Some of us are dealing with addictions in one of the most stressful times ever, and we don't know if we can manage it. Others of us, we're trying to, to get, keep our mental health safe. We're trying to take care of ourselves when we don't know what's going to happen the next day. We don't know what's going on. 
There's all different kinds of suffering going on and it is very difficult. There's one thing that I know about suffering that is absolutely true. Pain demands a response. We can't just ignore it and have it go away. So what do we do in the face of such suffering? How do we respond to the pain of suffering? Well, I have an answer for you and it's at a surprising place. But don't worry, I'm gonna go there with you. I want you to take a trip with me to this place because there, there's a really wise answer in this very surprising place, a farm. In the first century, Jesus' followers were suffering after his miraculous life, death, resurrection, and ascension to heaven, they were left without Jesus and they started to be persecuted by the Jewish religious leaders. They were driven from their homes, they lost their jobs, their businesses, they were separated from their families. Many of them were jailed, brutally beaten, and some of them were even killed. This is not what they thought would happen, but they were suffering. And in the midst of their suffering, Jesus' half-brother James, who was a leader of the early church, wrote a letter to them to learn how to navigate their suffering and how to rise up in the middle of it. This is what James wrote to them, and I think it works for us today. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. James tells us that when we suffer, we can respond to our suffering with patience. And here the word patience means thinking long. Not patience like sitting and twiddling our thumbs and waiting. No, it's not passive like that. Patience is about our perspective. And to illustrate that point, James went to a metaphor that everyone in his audience would have understood. Farming. But that's not something we would necessarily understand. That's why I'm here at my friend Johnny's farm so we can understand why farming is so key to being patient in our suffering. See, they were a largely agrarian society where most people were farmers, and if they weren't farmers, that's how everyone got their food. See, there was no H-E-B to run to if you didn't have dinner. You had to start in advance months earlier, if not years earlier, in planting seeds and getting the land ready for the food that you were gonna eat. Now, we don't get that, right? We have drive-throughs, we have grocery stores, we have so many different ways to get food, but his audience would have gotten it. But see, here on the farm, that patience is critical because you had to plant the seeds, then you had to till the seeds, you had to make sure the soil was right, you had to work with the animals or any of the tools that you could do so that your patience would yield a harvest at the end. This is what James is talking to his audience about. Patience isn't about just living right now, just thinking about what's happening right now in your suffering. No, 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 patience is thinking ahead to what comes after and acting appropriately right now. Now see, but farming isn't just about planting your seeds and being patient and waiting. No, 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 there's actually work you have to do. There's actually things you have to do to rise up and ensure a better future. And that's why James continues with the second part of something that's really important for us to get in our suffering. You too be patient and stand firm for the Lord's coming is near. Now see, James gets the second part of this that's so important, perseverance. 
We can't just be patient, we also have to persevere. See, patience is our perspective. It's thinking long. It's thinking about what comes next. It's not just staying in the moment. And then perseverance, that's the hard work that it requires to take those seeds and make sure that they grow into what we want them to be. It's the hard work that's done around a farm. See, in our suffering, we need both patience and perseverance. Patience plants the seeds. And perseverance makes sure those seeds grow to a beautiful tomorrow. When we have patience and we persevere in our suffering, we plant seeds today for a beautiful tomorrow. But here's the problem. See, sometimes we can't be patient. Sometimes it's difficult to persevere because our suffering can overwhelm us. Pain demands a response. And sometimes we respond to the pain in our life in unhealthy, in difficult ways. Because when we experience suffering, we can go into survival mode. We can be thinking, uh, 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 what's going on around us? Just what's right here and we can't think ahead. And it's difficult to persevere because we don't see why we'd want to persevere. We get into survival mode and we lose our focus. As we've been talking about in this series, under pressure, within suffering, what's in you will come out of you. Whatever's in you will come out of you when you feel that pressure and the pain of suffering. And what was happening with the believers in the first century, James goes on to talk about because they were contentious and what was coming out of them wasn't good. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged, for the judge is standing at the door. See, in the midst of their suffering, the people James is writing to, the first century church, they reacted by being contentious, grumbling against one another. They were treating each other terribly. They were lying. They were gossiping. They were just saying nasty things about each other. Now, the good news is that's just a first century problem, right? We would never do anything like that in our suffering. Okay. But for real, we all have unhealthy ways that we respond in our suffering. When we get into survival mode, we all have unhealthy things that we do. For some of us, it might be numbing the pain with drugs or alcohol. It's the only way we know how to survive from day to day. For others of us, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's a shopping addiction. Maybe you're binging Netflix like crazy. Maybe you're playing video games all day. Maybe you're arguing with people on social media. Maybe that's how that anger and contentiousness is coming out of you. But James, James wants to be really clear about this. When we do this, we'll be judged. And the judge is standing at the door. That's what he says. And what that means is that God is near. God is near in our suffering. And God is the only one in a position to judge. Now, I know this judgment language, it can freak people out and it might be freaking you out right now, but, but stay with me. Follow me on this one. The judgment that we're talking about here isn't about a judgment about eternity li eternal life or heaven and hell. This is a judgment about blessings in this life and rewards in eternal life. So no matter where you understand God as a judge, Here's the reality, and this is something that every farmer understands. You will reap what you sow. You will reap what you sow. So if you're in survival mode and you're planting unhealthy seeds of gossip, unhealthy seeds of addiction, unhealthy seeds of divisiveness on social media, you're going to yield an unhealthy harvest in the end. See, and when we don't have perspective, when we don't persevere, 
We lose the opportunity to gain from our pain. We lose the opportunity to gain from our pain. And that's not what we really want. See, when we respond to our suffering with patience and perseverance, we plant seeds. The patience is planting the seeds. The perseverance is tending the seeds. But when we're patient and when we persevere, we plant those seeds that will be a beautiful tomorrow. Now, James finishes up this section telling a story that his audience would have been very familiar with and something that we may not know. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance. Now James gives an example of someone who faced suffering with great patience and great perseverance, a man named Job. His story is captured in the Jewish scriptures, and it is an amazing story of how to respond in the midst of suffering. See, Job was a man, a person, just like you and I, and James wants us to understand his story. God, why him? They plotted against Job. I read about it. A conspiracy in heaven, a perfectly just God and a perfectly unjust Satan came to an agreement, shaking hands, allowing harm to come to what the Bible referred to as a perfect man. Hands weren't the only thing shaken that day. My perspective of what is right was raided and carried away like the 3,000 camels, 1,000 oxen, and 500 donkeys that he lost. My definition of fair scorched as a fiery truth fell from the scriptures on his 7,000 sheep. The understanding of who God was and what he'd allow that served me all my life slaughtered like his servants. And my vision of justice crushed like all 10 of his children, all of it, gone in the blink of an eye and the turn of a page. And yet, he worshiped. He blessed God for being the God that gave in the first place, acknowledging that there are seasons for gain and loss. Still perfect in his generation, amazed, I watched as an all-powerful God, eager to boast in his creation, allowed sores oozing with confusion and betrayal to cover his body, only soothed by scratching with shards of broken memories of his previous life. With barely enough strength to make it day to day, Job wrestled with his friends who were certain that he required repentance because bad only comes to those who do bad and only blessings flow to those without fault but he knew it wasn't his fault. And just before the fault lines in his faith cracked, God arrives in a whirlwind. He rebuked Job's storms, sending lightning to enlighten Job of his ignorance. As he recounted creation, he recreated my perception of who really were the co-conspirators in this situation. It wasn't God and Satan, but it was God and his multifaceted wisdom composing a symphony played with fingers of justice that not only restored everything that he lost two times over, 
but created a testimony that would echo for thousands of years after Job was gone. He painted a picture of pain that was beautifully framed in grace, something we can all look to when it feels like the art of our lives is gone. And we can thank God for the testimony of our lives instead of asking God, why me? In all of this, Job never sinned by blaming God. In the midst of all of his suffering, losing everything, Job never sinned by blaming God. Pain demands a response. And Job's pain demanded a response, and he responded with patience and perseverance. He gained from his pain. Job planted seeds today in his suffering for a beautiful tomorrow. So in your suffering, what seeds are you planting? This is what I want to ask you to do. James, talking about the end of Job's story, he says, you've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. So this is what I'm asking you to do. This is the seed I'm asking you to plant. I want you to plant seeds of faith. I want you to plant seeds of trust in a God who is full of compassion and mercy. Because no matter how you're suffering right now, God is still good. No matter how you're suffering right now, God is there and he cares for you. And he wants to bring about a beautiful tomorrow with the seeds that you plant today. Plant seeds of faith and seeds of trust. See, with patience, we have to have perspective. And patience, the, the perspective of patience is going to help us see a God full of compassion and mercy. Those are the seeds I want you to plant. And the perseverance is to stick with it. It's to hang in there. Don't give up, even though you're suffering right now. Whatever you're going through, don't give up. Plant seeds of faith. It will lead to a beautiful tomorrow. You know, I talked earlier about my cancer story and I was only about 20 years old when this happened. And so there's no miraculous recovery. There's no, and I didn't have to go to radiation. No, I went through radiation six weeks, five days a week, and it was incredibly and exceptionally painful. Again, no miraculous cure, but now I stand before you 16 years cancer free. And during this struggle, during this suffering, I couldn't have known it then. I didn't have the perspective but what I see now are the beautiful seeds that were planted during this time, and I'm reaping the beautiful harvest now. I look at my marriage, my girlfriend who found the tumor, she's now my wife. And at the very beginning of our relationship, we went through something so difficult. We navigated cancer and radiation together. That gave our relationship a foundation that you could not imagine. It brought us together so strong so that no, now no matter what we face, we can say, well, we face cancer together. I look at it and in this season, it planted seeds, the, the, the faith, the seeds of faith that were planted. Now I see it's come with purpose. I learned about my purpose in that season and who I was and why God put me here and what he gave me to do. I wouldn't have found that out without the suffering. And last, it was compassion. God gave me compassion so that when I see people suffering, I understand I understand what it's like to suffer and I have a heart because I've been there. 
those were seeds that were planted, seeds of faith during my suffering that now, 16 years later, I'm seeing pay off today. You can gain from your pain. If you choose patience and perseverance, you're planting seeds for a better tomorrow. Now it says the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And the reason we can place our faith in a God during our suffering is because he suffered. Jesus suffered unjustly. He suffered terribly at the hands of those who killed him. So you're suffering, Jesus understands. Jesus gets you. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. No matter how you're suffering right now, he is full of compassion and mercy. And whatever you're going through in this period, on the other side is something beautiful. So I'm asking you to have the patience and the perseverance to plant these seeds of faith. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Join me and turn to him right now. Pain demands a response. And God is so good because he sees our pain and he responds to it because he's full of compassion and mercy. He is where our help comes from. No matter why you're suffering, no matter what you're dealing with right now, when we turn to God, we plant seeds of faith that's going to create something beautiful after this season of suffering. Will you pray with me? God, I lift up everybody that's suffering out there, God. And no matter how they're suffering, whether it's from the coronavirus, God, whether it's a lost job, whether it's family strife and struggle, whether it's depression and anxiety, whether it's isolation, Father, whether it's outrage and hurt and pain, we all know what suffering is like and the pain demands a response. And so, Father, I pray we come together as a people. We come together as a people and we ask for your compassion and mercy, Father. Let us plant seeds of faith. Let us plant seeds of trust in a God who loves us more than we could possibly imagine so that we have the patience and the perseverance to get through our suffering and see that beautiful tomorrow. God, I pray that you relieve our suffering, Father. I pray that this be a short season for us. God, be with us. Guide us through this season of suffering. And if, we are, if you're unable to take that suffering from us directly, Father, Give us the patience and the perseverance to keep planting those seeds of faith. Let us gain from our pain. In your name, amen. Amen.